Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast, and I'm your host, Andrew Pryor. Enchanté. Fabulously Delicious is the podcast that brings you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week we dive into a specific topic, a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique, and we learn about it from a special guest who's an expert on that topic. My guests are all about French food. Either they cook it, they produce it, talk right, or photograph it. But above all, they love it. This week, I'm bringing you an interview I did with a previous guest's husband. Recently for France Today magazine's live streams, I interviewed Seth Hall, who's the husband of Therese Bertrand, who spoke to us all about cognac earlier in the season. And today, Seth's talking all things harvesting and the making of cognac. I had the fortune of going to visit Seth and Therese during the harvest period to learn more about this fabulous spirit. So I hope you enjoy it and hopefully next year I'll be able to have Seth on the podcast for a full episode on maybe the Pinot Charente that he mentions in this episode. Bienvenue, my name is Seth. I am uh, the cellar master here at Cognac Bertrand and in our vines. This one hasn't been harvested yet, but it will be soon. Seth, when usually is harvest time here in Cognac? So typically harvest is going to fall end of September to beginning of October. There's never a specific date on the calendar for this. Uh, the development of the grapes is going to inform when we start the process, when we pull the trigger. And so how do you actually know when the time is right? When the grapes ripen, they develop sugar. Sugar is deposited in the juice. And we're looking for a certain range. In French, they call it the fourchette, like the fork, right? And inside of the fourchette, we're looking ideally for um, between 9% and 10% sugar in the juice, by the way. And once we see that, the objective is to bring it in as quickly as possible and get it into wine as quickly as possible. You can think about it, it's like we want to have uh, the most efficient process from the vine to the wine as soon as we see it hit that sweet spot. Who makes that decision as to when to go? Sounds probably He, uh, his big responsibility, really most important responsibility of everyone that we have here, his responsibility is to manage the land, uh, care for the vines, and produce the spirit. So he's the one who's going to decide when we start. How much uh, vines do you have here? Right. So we have about 100 hectare of vines, and I believe it takes us about three weeks to get it done. We're in full-on harvest right now. We're finishing up our second week right now. It's harvesting here uh, in Cognac different from, say, other areas of France, other regions, wine-producing regions of France? Um, one particularity of harvest in Cognac is harvest with a machine. In the old days, people used, would harvest by hand, but um, the, the technology of harvesting machines works really well for the whole process of making cognac. Um, as I mentioned, our objective, once it's ready, it's ready. Once it's ready, we want to take it from the vine to the wine as quickly as possible. Because we talked about that range, the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. If 
it's too weak, then it's not going to produce enough alcohol because the sugar is what gets changed into alcohol when we make the wine. And if it's too far above the top, then it's going to produce too much alcohol. Um, and the process works best, ideally, if it's right there in that sweet spot. And so if we were harvesting by hand instead, not just us, but the whole region, or we would have to start too early and finish too late, or we would have to employ like 350 people to get it all done while it's in the sweet spot. Um, and so the, the innovation of harvesting machines here in this part of France is, was a really big, important innovation. Um, so her grandfather, Raymond, was one of the first people here to start working with um, a harvesting machine um, to, to just it was very forward thinking about stuff like that. What we're looking for, I expect what any wine producer is looking for, is a certain balance of um, sugar and acidity in the grape. In my understanding, in general terms, is that you have a certain amount of acidity and you have a certain amount of sugar that you want to be in balance in the grape. Um, and, that, and that the sun shining on the leaves makes photosynthesis happen. It produces sugar and the sugar is deposited in the grape. So the longer that it's sitting there with the sun shining on the leaves, the more sugar is produced and deposited in the grape. And as the sugar becomes higher than the acidity, we're losing that sweet spot. I mean, it's not just the sugar, it's the balance with the acidity. Um, the soil here in this region has a very high concentration of chalk and limestone. And this promotes a very special type of acidity in the grapes. And if the sugar gets too high compared to that, then like it gets covered or we lose it or it like degrades over time. So we really do want to get it in that sweet spot first so that there's not too much alcohol when we go through the rest of the steps, but also so that we conserve that acidity that will go away over time, um, both with the passage of time in the sun and also just Oxidation. What types of actual grapes are we harvesting here? Is it also the same for other cognac producers? The vast majority of our grapes are uh, Uni Blanc. Uni Blanc is a white grape. Uh, Uni Blanc is something like over. It's something around ninety-five percent what we have planted for the production of cognac. Um, and it's my understanding that in the entire region of cognac. It's something on the order of 98%. One of the really important reasons why we have Uni Blanc is because it produces a lot of grapes, right? You can see some of these parcels of vines we see, it's like a wall of grapes. And we want that because when we get to the future steps, we need 10 liters of wine to make just one liter of spirit. So if you want to have spirit at the end, you need 10 times as much wine in the beginning. So it's good to have vines that produce a lot of grapes. And the acidity is good, the acidity is high, the vines are robust, and that's why it's the king of Kodak. Your brother-in-law described what is the perfect bunch of grapes. Can you tell everybody what is the perfect bunch of grapes? And oh. what's its name? 
Well, the perfect bunch of grapes is well-formed between 9 and 10% sugar. So if it's been an especially productive year, there's a, there's a, a formation of grapes that they call a, a serpent's tongue. And like a serpent has a forked tongue. So typically, like if you look here, you can see it comes down into a point. It's maybe doing it a little bit here because all of this is connected to the same stem, right? It's doing it a little bit here. But it's like instead of coming down into one point, it comes down. And then instead of being one point, it turns into two. And um, if you see a lot of those on the vines, then at least in terms of volume, like you can see that your vines are very productive. So once the grapes are harvested, what's the next steps? Once the grapes are harvested, um, the first thing that we do is we bring them directly here in a trailer and put them as quickly as we can into the press and we press the grapes to obtain the juice. And within an hour after that juice comes out of the press, it's already put into a big stainless steel tank. And as soon as that tank is full, we're going to start the winemaking process. And then how is actual cognac made after that process? So we harvest the grapes to obtain the juice. We take the juice and we change it into a wine. And then we use our distillery to change the wine into a spirit. And then the spirit is aged in barrels until it's ready. How long is the cognac aged for? So those barrels, is a, does it depend on the type of cognac? Yes. Okay. Yes. The short answer is it depends. The longer <laughs> answer is um, there is a minimum age requirement mm -hmm. for each quality of cognac that you find. The minimum minimum before you can sell it to the consumer market is two years of age. And for each subsequent quality, so that two years is for a VS, the minimum for a VSOP is four years, for a Napoleon is six years, for an XO is 10 years, and pretty much anything else, 10 years is a good uh, rule of thumb. There are other names, but um, there's a minimum age requirement, but there's no maximum age requirement. When you buy cognac, should you be using it straight away? Okay, so this is this is something interesting about cognac. So when you buy a bottle of cognac, all the work has been done. Cognac um, is not the same as wine. Wine is aged for a specific period of time in a barrel, after which it needs to go into a bottle. Because if the wine is in too much contact with the air for too long, it will oxidate and turn into vinegar. That's why yep. you put it in glass. And then the tannins have to melt. Cognac wants to have contact with the air. That's why for old cognac, we age it for so long. Oxidation is our friend when we're talking about cognac, not our enemy as if we had wine. So all the work is done once it comes out from the barrel and we put it into a bottle. Um, and so what that means is that, no, you don't have to wait when you buy a bottle of cognac. And once you open the bottle of cognac, for all intents and purposes, it's never going to go off. Do you make wine here as well as cognac? Yes, but all the wine that we produce is for the distillation. Right. The wine that you would put into a bottle, you could call it, I guess, in English, a table wine. The wine that comes into that goes into a bottle from here is called Vin de Pay. Mm -hmm. Vin du Pay, like uh, Vin du Pay Charente, because we're in Charente. Okay. 
um, and you can find um, producers around that do that. Um, but we use all of our grapes to make coffee. So the grapes you use, do you use them all yourselves or do you supply to other houses as well? So we only use what comes from our land and our grapes. Um, so we don't get grapes from anybody else. We don't get juice from anybody else. We are um, what's called appropriatory viticulture. Um, and what that means is that we only sell what we make. Yeah. Now, once the spirit is produced... There are two ways that appropriatory viticulture would sell the spirit on to the market. And one is a wholesale market and the other one is the balls. Um, and so for our wholesale business, we have a very long partnership with Hennessy. You also make Pinot, Pinot Charente. Mm -hmm. And what is this? So Pinot de Charente is the second product that comes from our region. Uh, it is a blend of approximately 25% cognac and 75% grape juice that has just been pressed. And make that blend in the press. Like we put the cognac with the grapes in the press and we press them together. And what comes out of the press is their scent to begin the aging process. And over time, the two elements come together and there's a good marriage of the, the two parts and we have Pinot Chant. And you usually have this as an aperitif? Typically it's an aperitif. Um, classically it's an aperitif. Uh, we always drink it chilled. Um, you can have it as apero before the meal or you can have it with a first plate. Premier plat, deuxième plat. Um, and also Pinot being sweet, you can also use it as a dessert wine. We're not hidebound to the classic ways of it's only afterwards. Great for a sweet dessert wine too, if you want. That's it for another fabulous episode of Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. See you next week. Merci beaucoup and bon app. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.